Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your host, Tim. And Shannon. It's opinion, fact, information, and your alert system. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. And welcome back to Right Spokane Perspective with your host, Tim and Shannon. We are here visited today from Danny and Sherry Green from Family of Faith Community Church. And today's topic is going to be a tough one that's affected a lot of people's lives. But we're going to toughen up this Tuesday episode right after some inspiration from Shannon. We're going to talk about a change in perspective. In 1854, a young Russian artillery officer viewed the battlefield carnage occurring far below his cannon's hilltop placement. It's a funny sort of pleasure, Leo wrote, to see some people killing each other, and yet every morning and every evening I would spend hours at a time watching. Leo's outlook soon changed after seeing firsthand the devastation and the suffering in the city. He wrote, you understand all at once and quite differently from what you have seen before, the significance of those sounds of shots which you heard in the city. The prophet Jonah once climbed a hill to view the devastation of Nineveh. He'd just warned that brutal city of God's looming judgment, but Nineveh repented and Jonah was disappointed. The city, however, relapsed into evil, and a century later, the prophet Nahum described its destruction. Shields flash red in the sunlight, he wrote. Watch as their glittering chariots move into position, a forest of spears waving above them. Because of Nineveh's persistent sin, God sent punishment. But he told Jonah, Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? God's justice and love go together. Nahum shows the consequences of evil. Jonah reveals God's keen compassion for even the worst of us. His heart's desire is that we repent and extend the compassion to others. And since we have Pastor Danny here, Pastor, would you please finish us with a word of prayer? You bet. Heavenly Father, we're just uh, grateful to be here and uh, know Lord, uh, there's a lot of Jonas out there and running away from you, Lord. And I just pray that, Lord, that each and every one of them finds the path that you have for them so that they can uh, change and transform their life. Lord, we just thank you and we praise you for today, knowing, Lord, that you are the one in total control of each and every one of our lives. Just be with us here tonight. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Jonah running away from the problem. It seems like our society and our culture has found a way to run away many, many times. And I just don't think that we've been swallowed by the whale to, you know, go back and face it. But then we also look at the fact of that inspiration. We want justice. And sometimes the justice is is mercy, not just punishment. But I think that we're suffering punishment, even not from God and not from necessarily rulers. We're being punished by our own apathy to problems that our communities face every day. So we've got Danny and Sherry Green here from Family of Faith Community Church. Let's talk about what your church is doing to toughen up this Tuesday, because I know that you demand people toughen up a little bit. Amen. Yeah. We have the Roar uh, Discipleship Program that we run, but been dealing with a lot of the recovering addicts, which has been good. It's a, a positive in what we've been doing and what God's been doing through this ministry, because it's all Christ-centered. Really, we've been thinking about families, you know, instead of just the addicts, what about the families? You know, they're devastated. I know a lot of families that have been... With their children on heroin or fentanyl and, and and meth, and they're just devastated. So we thought what we want to do is start having a little campaign on uh, families, broken families. We're, we haven't really totally named it yet, but we're, you know, families that have been broken through uh, addiction, and it's devastating. A lot of them are absolutely devastated. I talked to a lot of uh, the parents or the kids, too, of uh, the, if their parents are addicts. So we just want to really reach out to the 
the Spokane area about families being broken and, you know, maybe to get them together. Well, and that seems like it's a missed piece in this whole problem of addiction and the drug abuse and the criminal behavior is that, we, you know, we have a, all these programs and all sorts of different government subsidized programs. We have faith-based programs. We have all sorts of monies, federal, state, and local looking at the addicts, but we don't have much to solve the problem with the families and the family being the foundation of our culture, the foundation of our society. We need to heal those families because you have that generational, not just poverty, but a generational attitude about even if it's just an uncle, it doesn't have to be your parent, doesn't have to be your brother, but shame that the family, it's like almost like a generational curse where you have to live down the shame of somebody with your family name. Tell us a little bit about that and how you've seen that in your church, maybe Sherry, I'm sure you've got a heart for those folks. Oh, I definitely do because we've come from that with our own family broken and the Lord put it back together. And so really my heart and passion is I love the addict and I love those people that come in and really want sobriety and want Jesus Christ. But there's a brokenness still in them. There's families that want nothing to do with them. The parents just can't do it anymore. They're devastated from all that has been done. They live in their own shame and guilt in their own prison just by loving on the addict. We hope that we can reach these families and help them heal. And then the Lord can reunify. He put our family back together. Amazing. So we are really excited to help families and addicts. We will never stop reaching out to the addicts. But now this is just an addition to that. And our city used to be a great, safe place to live. And our kids played outside and they did all these fun things. And today society has changed so much that we need the nuclear family back. To where it was with God as the head of our homes and wellness and healing and all that that goes with being a family. A revival well, of the family. Well, and you have the family of faith community church that has been so involved in the recovery aspects, you know, the ROAR program and, and all those things. Now you're looking at the whole entirety of the family, not just the, the broken individual. I mean, obviously we still have to work on those broken individuals, sure. but sometimes that brokenness involves the rest of the family to heal some of those broken relationships. So that's that's pretty phenomenal. And you were talking about the, the safety of our city. We were just covering last week on the show about Spokane being one of the least safe communities in the country based upon a city of our size, I believe it was, just this last week in the news. We also had uh, Kathy McMorris Rogers talking about the, the fentanyl epidemic killing the number one killer between 18 and 45-year-olds in this country and how Spokane is, is recognized by the federal government as a high drug trafficking corridor so you're right in the heart of it yeah amen where we are and you see it every day and and it's not just the addictions but it's also the death rates Uh, and and you've seen that tell us a little bit about that how how these things are killing people and hurting the family well that is what i want to talk about the family too is that most of the time now i talk to the families when their son has died from fentanyl or their daughter has died from from uh, heroin you know that's that's where I talk to the families and I, I don't want it to I, I want to be able to talk to the families in a positive way instead of have a death so that's what we're trying to do here is just come together you know get the families together hopefully that they'll be responsive uh, to come and be able to talk we, you know open forum maybe just to open up their hearts and I can have somebody to talk to we can build a family right there as far as the families coming together so yeah and that's a wonderful way to to do outreach and is this kind of a natural progression that you've had happen in the church because you have members that have become members of the church not because they were an addict but because they lost a child lost a loved one and they said i want to go to a church that's going to stop this from happening to other people 
Amen. Yeah, we have quite a few of them that have come to the church because of their child of the past, or maybe they got clean. People are, maybe are in one of the Roar Discipleship houses that we have, and then their families come and support them, which is good. That's what we need to have. Is, uh, the recovering addict needs to have support from their family, their friends, their church. It's not easy to do, you know, get off this fentanyl. It's not easy to get off heroin, uh, meth. It's not easy. Um, it's hard. It's difficult. Alcohol, even. It's r- difficult to get off of. You just don't say, okay, I want to stop, you know, the process. You got to go through. I went through it. You know, recovering alcoholic, drug addict myself, and I know how hard it is to change your life, change your heart, change your mind. Through me, it was when I walked into that church and uh, started seeking Jesus, and he gave me the strength and the power and the courage and the wisdom to stay clean. So we just want to be able to help. Well, and that addiction becomes your God. If you worship it every day, before you pay your bills, before you feed your children, you got to feed the addiction. And so that addiction becomes your God. And that addiction becomes what the rest of your family is most fearful of. They're not, you know, as fearful of Satan as they are the addiction that's brewing inside of their own loved one. Tell us a little bit today, Sherry, about what you've seen with the families, because I know you have a different view from the stage that Danny does. (laughs) Yes, I do. The families, we have grandparents raising their grandchildren. We have other family members members raising them. You see the moms who have lost their children death-wise, and they're broken, and they just sit there, and they are loving on the next person that comes in, the next addict. So there's so much love in here for those who come because they have lost. They have suffered greatly. I see the parents that come in, whether their kids are in our roar house or if they're just you know, in clean and sober, they come along to support. And these parents are absolutely amazing. And I always try to encourage the parents on how great their children are. And it's always, a, but you don't know them, but I do know them today. And that's all that matters. And so then they get to hear a little bit of hope that, that their child is not the same. And so that is, that's the piece where the family is really important in the addict's life. And it's really important that we minister and love on the family too, because they suffer as much. Their God becomes their child. They're so busy trying to help them and, and cure them and get them out of the addiction that, that that becomes their life mission. Well, and the cycle of that, if you don't have good programs, you don't have the support for the family like your church provides, that cycle can break the whole family, not just the addict. What I've seen with, with addicts is that some of the parents before their child dies from the addiction, they basically look upon that relationship as if it's dead already. And then if the child can get out of that addiction through programming, because they get arrested because they, you know, step in the church like you did, Danny, and they seek recovery. It's hard to mend those wounds that were caused in the family. Once the family said, no, you're dead to us already. It is a sad thing. We just had a testimony of the name Jacob and he, uh, his family, I mean, he's a good kid. I mean, he's a good kid right now and, but he wouldn't, he lived in his car for three years. His family just didn't want anything to do with him. They said, you know, away from us. And he did for a lot of, and he, it was a loving family at that time, you know, before he started the drugs. He came together, he got clean. One of, works for Roar Works too, as a matter of fact, a superintendent and with us and he, his family now, they've come all back together now and loving one another. So there's some great things in here. And a lot of people say, well, that's that recovery church. Well, thank God for recovery churches, you know what I mean? And I, I believe that. I think every church uh, should be a recovery church because you know we got to be open to help these people when they're when they come in here we don't shy and weigh and say you know but uh, it's uh, about helping each other that's what to love one another as he loved us so absolutely 
Well, and too often today we look at church as a place to just fellowship and we get recharged so that we can go to our our secular places of work and still feel like we're close to God on Sundays. And really the church is supposed to be a place of rebuilding. Jesus didn't hang out with the prophets. He he hung out with the the drug addicts of the time, right? He hung out with the people that had leprosy and and issues with cleanliness and and poverty. So definitely work that the church should do. And today we're also going to talk about some laws at the state level. We're going to talk about policing because... A lot of this has to do with our government failing, not just at the border and stopping the drug trafficking, but also stopping the criminal behavior and getting people into forced treatment. Because like your friend that had the testimony about his life, those relationships that are being healed, it's not a three-day program that the government forces you into for rehab and then you go out and do the same thing again. It's a process that takes years. So we're going to talk about that. It won't be years. It's only going to be a couple minutes. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. (laughs) To our Spokane area veterans and their families, if you haven't checked out the Hilliard Veterans of Foreign Wars post-1474, located at Diamond and Regal Street in Spokane, you gotta be there or be square. The Hilliard VFW is there to assist you and yours with all your VA questions. Give them a call at 487-3784. Weekly bingo, cards, bowling, dart tournaments, and meal specials are just a few more things that the Hilliard VFW offers. Stop on by, give them a call, 487 487- Three seven eight four. We want to thank God and you, the listeners, for the opportunity to continue the Right Spokane Perspective radio show and podcast programming. We sincerely thank Mike Fagan for 12 years of dedication to our listeners and guests of the Right Spokane Perspective. Listeners, it's because of your support we continue to bring you facts, commentary, and alerts on what's happening in local government, politics, and issues affecting us all. Please send your most generous support to Right Spokane Perspective, LLC, PO Box 7620, Spokane, WA 99207. Thanks again, and back to the show. And welcome back to the Right Spokane Perspective. Again, we're here today with Family of Faith Community Church, Pastor Danny and Sherry Green. I was going to play a little bit of a sound bite that came from the state capitol because we went off into the break talking about officers' hands being tied and crimes not being enforced. And so we'll give this a listen. We'll come back on the other side of this sound bite. The original bill sought to restore the reasonable suspicion standard that was in place before the law was changed in 2021. On Thursday, the House Community Safety, Justice and Reentry Committee approved a revised version. It provides that an officer may not engage in a vehicular pursuit unless they have a reasonable suspicion of one of six particular crimes, either a violent offense, a sex offense, a vehicular assault, an escape, assault in the first, second, third or fourth degree that involves domestic violence or driving under the influence. The amendments also forced the law to expire on July 1st, 2025, meaning it would revert to the more restrictive probable cause standard, plus a separate bill passed the committee to further study vehicular pursuits. Republican sponsor Representative Eric Robertson said the amendments are disappointing. It's just too narrow. It really continues to limit the ability for the men and women of law enforcement to do their job. Committee passage of Robertson's bill means it remains alive, giving hope that it could still be improved, but advocates admit it has many obstacles ahead. John Satgast, the state capitol. Okay, so that soundbite talking about the pursuit bill. We can talk about some of the specifics there because I know that that's important to you guys because a lot of the addicts that come to your ROAR program, which is a very successful program, much more successful than any of the court-ordered treatments that happen. But ROAR used to have to do with court orders. And tell us a little bit how government, state policy, and the judicial system has hurt your ability to to reach out and do recovery through ROAR. Is that that complicated? No, no. (laughs) 
got it. <laughs> well, well, this whole thing is complicated to a lot of folks trying to figure out how to solve it, and legislators are obviously perplexed on how to solve this. So, yeah, it's tell ridiculous. us a little bit about the Roar thing, because I know that you guys had more outreach before with Roar than you can have now, and it had something to do with government policy. I forget what that piece well, was. It's the mask wearing, it's the vaccinations. You can't go back into the treatment centers because you have to be vaccinated. And that is, you know, obviously against what we believe. And so we aren't able to. And then when they allowed us to come back in, we can come back in now at this point. Well, we did. You don't have to have a vaccination, but you have to wear a mask and then you have to wear a shield over your mask and all these little rules and regulations. And of course, you can have only so many people in a room and you all the little regulations that really distract you from what the Lord wants. It just makes it difficult. And then, of course, then they shut down treatment facilities shut down again because there's they have COVID in there. Or now the treatment facilities that were men on one side and women on another are just men or they're just women or and they're not getting any Jesus when they're there. So even when you do go in, they're very small groups of people, which is the Lord can reach one at a time and that's perfect. But Right, but you, you need to be able to reach out to those folks. So you used to be able to have more interaction there. A lot of the people right. that came into your ROAR program were either being released from prison or released from a treatment facility, and they needed somewhere to go so that they didn't just go right back to their friends on the streets that are pushing drugs, right? And that's what it was. That's where we go to the treatment centers and uh, talk about Jesus, you know, and that's where they could see us, they could, you know, know us, they know that we were telling the truth and, and know that the, the, the ROAR program was a, a powerful discipleship for, for them, and they you know, there's a lot of them that, that didn't want to come in. That's that's fine. But there's that was our way, you know, really helping those people as, a, you know, the treatment centers. We're back in one right now, but uh, the other ones are we're still waiting to go back into there. We'd love to go back in there because uh, there's people in there that don't, they don't know about Roar. And Roar is reach out and recover? Reaching out, advocating, recover. Advocating recovery. Yeah. I like okay, that. Reach, out, reach out and recover. Reach out, <laughs> like advocating, advocating recovery. So now this isn't just a program where you go to a Bible study. This is an account accountability program. The reason why people were attracted to it that came into your program is because they saw that there was accountability. There was something to stop them from doing drugs because they had roommates that were going to be living with them in the rural houses, right? Yeah, keep them accountable. I always tell people, you don't want Jesus and you don't want recovery, don't waste my time because that's what it's all about, the Roar Discipleship Program. So it's, it's powerful and, and lives are being absolutely changed. And some of them have moved on and they've gone to other churches. They're still doing great. You know, Sadly, some haven't. They went back out, but really we have a pretty good percentage percentage of people that have really changed their life. They've really given it to Jesus and followed the path. And they're and so most uh, of the time following this path, they were sent on this path. Typically, when you find them in these programs, they were sent on that path by a judge because someone pursued them and arrested them and they decided to change yep. their life. So right. as we started out the, the half of the show today with the police pursuit bill, you're seeing where crime is rampant. People aren't being arrested. So they don't see that there's that forced accountability that sends them into a ROAR program that's more of a voluntarily committed situation where there's accountability in the ROAR house. So tell us about this with the with the police and your concerns, because that is obviously one of the major things. Every drug addict I've ever met that recovered, it was a stint in jail that made them change their mind. Well, it's really ridiculous what a lot of they're doing is trying to t- take all that away from i remember when sheriff ozzy was here when we were good friends and he would say our, our hands are tied we can't we can't do anything we can't chase we can't do anything about it and i think it's absolutely ridiculous i'm starting to build a, a relationship now with uh, sheriff Knowles, and he's a great man and and also uh, the chief of police uh, craig model we're building a relationship there uh, because i want to support them i want to be there and let them know that we're behind them and i think what you know saying that they can't chase them they can't you know and what that was saying is that what well, are we going to put the things on their cars to say you know i'm you know i'm a 
sex offender or I'm a, a, a drug addict or I'm a, and then we can chase them or how are we going to know when we're chasing them wh- what's inside? If they do something wrong, we should be able to pull them over. I've heard that they can't even pull them over if you have your tabs are bad. If the <laughs> tabs are bad. Well, and we talked <laughs> about that before we came on the air and I used kind of an interesting example because this law, even if they fix the law the partial fix they're talking about putting in these amendments to the law and they pass the governor signs it into law, they still are limited. So you're a law enforcement officer that on the fly, you have to say this person is going to be in a court of law. One of these categories that the legislature has decided now is the parameter. I can chase them because they were part of domestic violence or they were part of a rape or they were part of a murder, but you don't know. You you show up, there's somebody laying on the ground. You don't know if they're going to die. You don't know who the criminal is. All you know is that there's people running in four different directions you use chase one right right so you chase that one and you find out well this person wasn't convicted of the assault or the murder or the rape or the serious crime that you can pursue for we just found fentanyl on him then his lawyer comes in and says no 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 so you can't pursue him unless he was part of what made that person be enabled on the ground that you were called to help so that wasn't the crime he committed so we're going to let him loose even though he's a fentanyl dealer right these loopholes that the legislature creates for these attorneys and these criminals keeps people out on the street creating homeless communities talk to about the homeless community and the drug stuff because i know that that's huge and a lot of it's criminal behavior but the cops can't do anything right yeah the homeless is most probably a hundred percent or maybe 99 or or addicts that are out there addicts that can't function and uh that's they're homeless so it's sad and we're here always to support them and help them but the homelessness is a, a huge thing going on around here in spokane i've used to drive it downtown and see laying all over the place and i said this is not the spokane that we we need to just let the police do what police do just let them do what they're supposed to do well it seems like we're using the long the wrong language too i know the legislature gets to decide what terms mean in the law but we always say homelessness i almost think we should be talking about transient addict criminals yeah because that's kind of where it's at transient addict criminals it's a lot more to say than homelessness but it it seems to be a more adequate description go ahead sherry jump in i remember as a child growing up and you'd see somebody passed out on the sidewalk they were right there to pick them up and take them to detox and haul them off and we just don't do anything anymore they're just allowed to even at the church people can they sleep here they vandalize it and can call the police and there's really nothing they can do till obviously they harm one of us they can threaten us we can send them away but it doesn't stop and the more that they're out there the longer that they're on the meth, the meth psychosis and their brains. And you're watching them come in now from those homeless and it takes a long time. And some of them, their brain function doesn't come back. It's not okay to allow this type of behavior. We need to be able to help people and the police need to be able to arrest them, put them in jail, send them to treatment so that they take the steps to really truly help people instead of just setting them up in a camp and just letting them do whatever they do. And, you know, and then obviously with that comes crime. So Spokane becomes unsafe because people... People need to feed their drug addiction. You watch these people walking down the street just fighting with no one. It's yeah. just, it, it's hard. Well, that is a big topic, the fighting with no one issue, because we talk about mental illness all the time mm-hmm. in the news when we talk about the, the homeless situation. And I always want to go back and say, wait a minute, this is drug induced mental illness. Now, maybe there was a, a mental illness in the beginning, but now 
it's out of control. It's unsolvable because they've saturated their brain with toxins that the brain, like you said, may never heal from. And we're not stopping that. It seems like the more people we have out there screaming at the sky or cars driving by, we would say, okay, it's time to create a policy to stop these addictions before they fry their brains. Because not only is it going to cost us a lot more money in the future, it costs the community a whole lot more than just money. That's right. It's a safety issue for one. And you go into neighborhoods and there's no kids out playing, but you'll see the meth addict walking down the street. And well, there's why your children, they don't, uh, people don't allow your kids outside. And this is just ruining the whole city. So we really have to be aggressive in in, in fighting for the police, for their rights to arrest, their rights to, to do the judges, make sure the judges get them treatment or whatever it is that they need. And then once they're through all that, there's places like Family of Faith or the Roar program that they ha- have a safe place to to, to complete that healing before they really go back out there on their own. And it's great too. Now you're looking at engaging the whole entire family that's been damaged because of these addicts, uh, their addiction. Maybe sometimes it wasn't even them. It was their friends that destroyed the family and the addiction just drug them all down. You're taking an aggressive approach. And today we, we call it getting tough Tuesday. There's a lot of tough things in life and working with kids is one of them. And I know that the family of faith church is also engaged in education. And as we were talking about children, on the playground, I was thinking about the playground outside of the church. And so you've got instances where drug addicts are outside in the playground. Now you've got teachers that are working with these kids. They have to do a sweep of the playground looking for needles or things like that before the kids can even play. That was unheard of 20 years ago. So tell us about the school, how things are going, the excited look on your face, because I know it's just, what, two years in? One. Oh, this is the first year. Yeah. Yeah. First year. Okay. The private school. Faith Christian Academy. Yes. It's the greatest thing. Well, one of the greatest things that ever happened to us, I believe, having these kids here. You look younger. They've rubbed it off on you. <laughs> and I'm I'm the principal. She's a vice principal. I mean, I used to be in the principal's office and now I is one. You know, it's just to me, uh, uh, it's so cool. Uh, it, I don't know. You is one? Are we going to are we gonna I'm still working on my, def- you know. Are we going to, de- what is the definite? It, it depends on what the definition of uh, is, is. I think I remember that somewhere. In, you is one. Okay, so, so the, now you're the, instead of being in the principal's office, you're, are the principal yeah, in yeah. the office. That's, that's a huge change. That it, it's not even like a pastoral position as much as it is a, uh, I don't know. You're like the powers and principalities for the second graders now. <laughs> that's so cute. The law. <laughs> yeah, it, it is so cool. The, the kids and the, the teachers, uh, we have some great teachers. Uh, we have uh, Natalie Polson is now one of our teachers. She's doing a great job with, yeah, with the administrator and Melissa. They just do a great job. It was just is a great thing. The greatest thing we did was bring that uh, school over here and and, and see those kids and that playground is yeah we do check it out every morning but it's but it's can, a great playground to watch the kids play wow. there's nothing oh, like oh it. my gosh and then they run down the hallway to the lunch they run they don't walk they run and scream i don't know why they scream all the time they're and i'm sitting we're sitting in our office going Oh, that's the best sound I ever heard. <laughs> well, it's because they've got so much energy; they can't work it off just through their feet. They're using their mouths too. Right? That's, it seems like it. We got a basketball team. <laughs> yeah, basketball team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How's yeah. that going? Oh, we haven't won yet, but hey, you know we're having fun. <laughs> well, well, it's the first year. Winning's you know? not everything. That's no, right. it's not. It's oh, yeah. not. Sometimes it's not. There's lessons to be learned in losing. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of lessons. Yeah, yeah, it seems like sportsmanship sometimes has to be learned before you can win. 
into. Amen to that. So we found a lot of uh, referees and uh, even uh, coaches come up and say the way you guys, because we just love the kids. And I'd like to see us win. But, you know, the most important is that they're out there having fun. And they do have a lot of fun. And uh, so, yeah, it's a great thing. Well, that's one of the things, having fun. You can build relationships when you're having fun. When life's broken, when homeless camps abound on your way to and from work and school, it feels like the world's broken. But when you're having fun, all of that goes away and you can start building relationships with teammates and you can walk away from that game time experience and say, all right, I burned off enough energy. I'm okay with life enough to where maybe I can actually complete a homework assignment that's, you know, legible. I can can write it legibly or or I can complete it in a way that'll give me a decent grade, right? Right, yeah. That's yeah. right. It's good. So, so, so that was the plug for the school. Definitely, uh, folks, you want to check out Family of Faith Church. What's the website again? FCC.us. It's not the FCC, folks. So make sure you get the right one. No. Get two Fs, two Cs, because it's not the FCC. No. The Federal Communications Commission is might be talking about it after this show. So go to the website, check out the school, check out everything Family of Faith Community Church offers. Show up on a Sunday or show up to one of the programs. If you know an addict, you know a family of addicts that wants to be involved in healing and recovery in the Spokane community, grab a hold of your phone. What's the phone number for them to reach out to? 509-325-0343. Again, that's 325-0343 for Family of Faith Community Church. Get involved. The only way we're going to heal the community is if we're out there strapping on band-aids. We can't do it from our couch. We can't do it just in prayer. We have to go and put our prayer to work through our feet. One more thing. Don't forget the back to blue. So back to blue, back to blue. Our, our, our law enforcement yes. is uh, they're powerful and they're all good people. Ninety eight percent of the of police officers and the sheriffs are great people trying to keep our city safe. There's yeah, there's two percent that are maybe not that good, but and, but we have ways to hold them accountable too. There's right. always got to be that yeah. accountability, yeah. whether it's for the community officers and definitely the criminals. Yeah, yes. we need our law enforcement and we need them to do their job. Let them do their job, and that's all I got to say about that. Well, we also need more children educated to understand what law enforcement's roles are. So when they leave Family of Faith, when they leave the private school, Faith Christian Academy, they'll maybe they'll become officers. Anyhow, we're out of time for today. All that being said, Shannon and I will be with you again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.